Hi, everyone. You're listening to Infectious Ideas, a podcast series presented by the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases, the NFID, where leading experts join us for thought-provoking conversations that lead to infectious ideas. Guests include humble heroes and future leaders working together towards a shared vision of healthier lives through effective prevention and treatment. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Infectious Ideas, a podcast series presented by the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases, the NFID, where leading experts join us for thought-provoking conversations that lead to infectious ideas. Guests include humble heroes and future leaders working together towards a shared vision of healthier lives through effective prevention and treatment. Welcome to the NFID podcast, Infectious Ideas. This is Marla Dalton, NFID Executive Director and CEO, and with me is my co-host, NFID Medical Director, Dr. Bill Schaffner. Today's guest is Dr. Kathleen Neusel, an internationally recognized research scientist and vaccinologist who has played a central role in the domestic and global response to viruses, including influenza and COVID-19. She is a professor of medicine and pediatrics and is the director of the Center for Vaccine Development and Global Health at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. She's also the current vice president of NFID. So Kathy, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here, Marla. So to get started, Kathy, as an internist and an infectious disease specialist, can you tell us how you first got interested in vaccines and what or who your early inspirations were? Sure. Well, I certainly caught the vaccine bug very early on, and I've had some really terrific mentors, but I'm going to mention two of them. The first one was Dr. Diane Griffin, who's a famous infectious disease physician at Johns Hopkins, where I attended medical school, who studied measles vaccine. And so when I was a medical student, I was just fascinated in in hearing from her how a vaccine could impact the morbidity of a disease in such a dramatic way. And even at that early stage of my career where I had very little medical training, it it just seemed like a no-brainer to me that why wouldn't we prevent a disease if we could do so? And the second person was um, Bill Schaffner, actually. And Bill may or may not remember this, but when I was an infectious diseases fellow at Vanderbilt, I was rounding with him. He was the attending. And we saw this lovely woman. I can still picture her room. She had diabetes and and she had a chronic lower leg ulcer. And um, I expected Bill to come into the room and look at the lesion and ask about it. But instead, he asked her when she had her last tetanus vaccine. And of course, that open wound on her leg was a risk factor for, for tetanus. And so, Bill, you really taught me that every patient encounter is an opportunity to ask and to educate about vaccines. Well, Kathy, I must say I'm surprised. I can barely remember <laughs> that, that episode. I actually thought you were going to talk about two other people <laughs> at Vanderbilt, Marie Griffin and Kathy Edwards, who uh, obviously you worked with very extensively and uh, worked to introduce you to uh, your earliest studies on vaccines, particularly those demonstrating that women who were pregnant were at increased risk of 
influenza and its complications. Yeah. And Marie and Kathy are obviously, you know, fabulous mentors and really, really good friends to this day. And and certainly, you know, inspired me and, and taught me what I know about research. Um, but Bill, I really do have to credit you for giving me that, you know, initial bug that, uh, again, in everyday medical care, we see the impact of vaccines. Well, glad to hear it. (laughs) But you've worked extensively on vaccine trials, both in the U.S. and abroad. So what are some of the key differences that you've encountered working in these very different settings? Yeah, it's a great question. And in fact, just last week, I was in um, Niger in in West Africa, which is one of the poorest countries in the world. They're very much in need of many vaccines that we don't need here, including typhoid vaccine, which is one of the reasons I was there. I will say that the scenery is certainly different. You know, it's it's actually a lot of fun to work in Africa. There are a lot of open air clinics. We've we've set up vaccine centers, you know, under a tree, for example. Some of the cold chain aspects can can be a bit challenging, but we figured that out. I think what's important is what is similar is really the quality of the research and the professionalism of the staff. You know, we're doing a large typhoid vaccine study in Malawi right now, and people are surprised when I say we're we're using handheld tablets. We're doing direct data entry. And so really the quality of these trials and the data from these trials is as good as anywhere I've worked. So, Kathy, switching gears a little bit, we all know that scientists who study viruses like flu and COVID certainly don't like to make predictions. But I guess I'll ask, if you did have a crystal ball, what would you predict for this upcoming respiratory season here in the U.S.? Yeah. So, you know, Marla, you've heard me say before that influenza is predictably unpredictable. And now we have COVID-19 on top of that, making it even more unpredictable. I will say that based on what we've seen in the Southern Hemisphere, influenza will be back this year. I have to go out on a limb and say that, and and I expect that we will see more influenza this year than we have the past two seasons. And another easy prediction is that COVID is not going away. And so I really like the idea about being smart about prevention. One example is it used to be a badge of honor to come to work sick. And these past couple of years, you know, we've learned that we stay home when we're sick and people manage and and we manage. You know, I was just on an airplane and nobody was coughing. It didn't used to be that way. It was wonderful. I sat there and thought, you know, there's nobody coughing on this airplane. And I still wear masks when I'm on these airplanes and particularly these long haul flights. So I think we're going to see everything this season. I think we'll see flu. We'll see respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. We'll see COVID. So really important to get those flu shots and that COVID booster. So, Kathy, we've seen, as you have said, historically low flu activity during the past two flu seasons, and you've alluded to why that was. Why don't you talk about that just a little bit more and why you think that that trend will be reversed this year? So, Bill, as you know, we don't completely understand it. We certainly attribute 
the social mitigation measures, the, you know, closing schools and people not coming to work sick, the wearing of masks, the better attention to hand hygiene, undoubtedly had an effect on all respiratory viruses. And, you know, we're a little more lax on all of those things than we were at the height of COVID. However, it really doesn't completely explain why influenza seemed to disappear. And I'm not sure we can completely understand that aspect. But either way, as I've said, in in Australia and South Africa and Chile, we are seeing much more normal influenza seasons. And so that's one reason why I anticipate that it'll be the same here in the United States, uh, that we will see influenza. So, Kathy, unfortunately, you know, the low activity and our research continue to show that the public often underestimates the seriousness of flu. So as a medical professional, you know, what do you most want people to know about both the burden of flu and more positively, the impact of annual flu vaccines? Yeah, influenza is a serious disease. And we know particularly in high-risk groups, about 90% of deaths each year occur in older people, people over the age of 70. And that number of deaths can be remarkable, you know, 40,000 deaths in, in some years. And influenza vaccines aren't perfect. They prevent a lot of disease and they prevent a lot of serious disease. And and I hope that COVID has helped the public understand that a bit, that while we might still get sick from COVID or from influenza, even if we get a vaccine, that vaccines absolutely keep us out of the hospital and vaccines keep us from dying of these diseases. And again, that was always a hard message for influenza vaccines. And I I hope now, again, with the COVID experience, that people understand that a little bit more. Yeah, I think they're going to have to be persuaded, Kathy. But shifting just a little bit from both flu and COVID, you're on the cutting edge of all kinds of new vaccine developments. What's on the horizon? Anything we can look forward to in the relatively near-term future or even farther down the road? Yeah, I think one positive aspect of the pandemic, if we can say anything was positive, is that it really catapulted some new technologies out to approval, licensure, and use. And I think the most obvious one is the mRNA technology, which has really um, revolutionized our ability to make combinations of vaccines, to add new antigens to vaccines, and to do that relatively quickly. And we're seeing that right now with these new bivalent boosters. So certainly the mRNA companies are already working on influenza and COVID-19 combinations. And when I say combinations, that doesn't necessarily mean just a flu vaccine with a COVID vaccine, but multiple strains of each of these may be able to go into these new vaccines. And perhaps this is a bit of a reach, but I think we could have products as early as next year. You know, it it may not be that early, but certainly this technology gives us that possibility. Really exciting, Kathy. Um, So I'll ask the question, what most keeps you awake at night these days? Yeah, I think there are a lot of possible answers here, um, other than jet lag. Um, (laughs) But I would say, you know, it's mainly what I observe as an increasing mixing 
of politics and science. And, you know, if we think back to other public health crises, if we go all the way back to polio, you know, or or flu outbreaks or measles outbreaks, we really all came together and saw the benefit of vaccines for ourselves and others. And I, I don't like seeing vaccines being politicized. You know, viruses and bacteria aren't political. They affect everyone. We need to protect everyone. And and I've always considered public health to be a bit sacrosanct from politics. So that that bothers me and keeps me up at night. Indeed, all of us. So, Kathy, this has been really exciting. Before we sign off, though, I'll give you an opportunity. What is the biggest myth that you most would like to bust? Yeah, I think it's probably that people say vaccine immunity isn't natural immunity. You know, we heard that a lot during COVID. Shouldn't I just get sick and get natural immunity? You know, vaccine-induced immunity is absolutely natural immunity. Your body is responding to the vaccine and making antibody in the same way it responds to the virus that makes antibody. But with the vaccine, you just don't have the risk of getting the disease. So there's really nothing unnatural about vaccines. We've been emphasizing today the importance of vaccine research and delivery around the world. And of course, the importance of influenza vaccine each and every year. We've been talking today with Dr. Kathy Newsel, NFID vice president and internationally known virologist and vaccine researcher. Thank you for listening to this episode of Infectious Ideas. You can follow, like, share, and download episodes on all streaming platforms, as well as find us at NFID.org with links to all of our social channels. We love hearing from listeners. So send us any questions, comments, or concerns that may be infecting your mind.